So we're just going to go through it. We, if you were here last night at Vespers, you heard about it all. Vespers. If you were at Matins, you heard about it all through Matins. If you've been here in this liturgy, paid any attention, everything has been about the transfiguration. Everything. We're in the Dormition feast. We drop the feast for a day. We're in transfiguration. Everything changes for this day. And in the ministry of Jesus, everything changes this day. The whole direction of his ministry changes today. Until now, he's done all these signs and wonders and demonstrating his great power. From now on, as Luke describes it, he set his face to go to Jerusalem where he knows he is going to be crucified. He knows he is going to be killed. He knows he's going to be buried. And he knows he's going to be raised from the dead. And he also knows what his disciples are going to go through. And his disciples include us. So what happened? Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. And today he takes all of us. He takes us up upon this high mountain. And I don't even know how to say this, so I'll say it this way. All of a sudden. I imagine it's all of a sudden. I don't imagine it's sort of like a reestat. You know, where the light just sort of turns up. And then it gets brighter and brighter. But whatever, how, however it happens, there is incredible light. Jesus appears to them glowing. Now, you need to take this literally, I believe, and I'll show you why. Uh, you need to take this literally. He glows brightly as the sun. Now, I'll alter that just a little bit because as we sing in the, the Transfiguration Parium, it says he revealed himself to his disciples. What's the next line? As far as they were able to bear it. Because they couldn't have borne it if he would have shown them everything. Now, look at the place of light in the scriptures. The, there's different places where you'll find this. But, you know, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night in the Exodus and Moses going up on the mountain uh, to get the Ten Commandments. You know, when he comes down and his face is glowing and he has to put a veil over his face, but part of that is to keep the rheostat from going down because the glory is going to fade. But he comes back shining in all this glory. And then there are other places where you see this, but in the first chapter of the book of Revelation, uh, St. John says he, he sees the Lord and he sees him shining as the sun. And then when you get to the very end, you get to Revelation chapter 21, and uh, John is describing his vision of the new Jerusalem coming down of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for uh, his husband, her husband. And he sees this, and as he describes it, he says, there is no need of the sun or the moon anymore. Because the glory of the Lord, the, 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 the Lord God and the Lamb are its light. Now, if the Lord God and the Lamb, that's the Father and the Son. Now, if, if they are light enough so that you don't need the Son anymore, and I think the reason you don't need the Son anymore 
because the light of the Lord God and the Lamb are brighter than the sun. So what I want you to grasp here as we're on this mountain of transfiguration, this staggering light appears. Jesus appears. Now, not as light, and not only does his face appear as light, his garments appear as light. Everything is light. And there's Peter, James, and John. And honestly, they're snoozing. They've been asleep. And the light comes, and they wake up, and they're just astonished at what we see. And then, whoa, all of a sudden, Jesus is visiting with Moses and Elijah. Whoa. I've often wondered, how did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Did the Lord say, Peter, James, John are like me, Moses and Elijah, Elijah, <laughs> Moses, Elijah, Peter, James, and John? You know, I don't know if there was a formal introduction. My, my, my guess is they just knew it was Moses and Elijah because when you get in a situation like that, you just know. Okay, so they see Moses and Elijah. Now, already, we this is pretty good so far. We've got strike one and strike two. We're going to get strike three. Here we have the Lord appearing in incredible glow, bright as the sun, as much as they could bear. If they could have seen the whole reality, they'd probably die. I mean, they, could, they couldn't face it. I mean, just like we can't look at the sun. I remember my dad telling me, you know, they went out to see an eclipse of the sun when he was a little kid, and they had to put a pinhole through paper to watch the thing so it wouldn't hurt their eyes. Okay. Then, if that weren't enough, then a voice, a, a cloud, comes over, and out of the cloud comes the voice, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And that's when they really got scared. They trembled. Why? What was all this about? What was happening here, as far as the ministry of the Lord on this earth was concerned, what was happening is he was showing his disciples what is the true reality. Jesus, now listen carefully, Jesus always glowed like that. Because he's God in the flesh. It's just for their sake and ours, they couldn't see it because they couldn't bear it. And Jesus didn't all of a sudden be something he wasn't. He was showing them something that he was but couldn't show them. Now, why did he do this? He did it to encourage them. He did it to encourage them so that as things go downhill on their way to Jerusalem and all the, the whole passion is going to occur, he encourages them with this, at least the three, Peter, James, and John. But it's not just that. See, in the epistle today, Peter, when he wants to get an event that demonstrates why he truly believes all this and why we should believe it, what event, of all the events he could have picked, what event does Peter, does Peter pick up? He picks up the transfiguration. He says, we saw the glory. We saw it. 
fellowship with us, but before he uses that, he says, we saw his glory with our own eyes. We saw it. So if they, having seen this, they can preach it. They can preach it because they saw it. Now, this transfiguration business is mammoth. It's mammoth the life of the Lord, in the ministry of the Lord. It's mammoth in the life of the apostles. Now, Peter, James, and John couldn't tell about it until after the resurrection, until after the ascension. They couldn't tell anybody. They were told not to. I'm not even sure why all that's true. In, in that, this morning we heard, well, so that Judas couldn't have gone up there. It would have been bad. So that's why the others stayed down. I don't know. Maybe so. Probably. I, I, I don't even... Irrelevant. I'm maybe not irrelevant, but I just don't know. Okay. Now, you've seen the transfigured. Have you, have you seen it? I mean, can you see this down in your spirit? Can you join it? Can you join in that? Now, I, I was thinking last night and this morning, I think I could do at least 50 sermons on the transfiguration. I mean, today. An hour each. <laughs> <laughs> I really... And everything in the Olympics is about one thing. It's really about one thing, gold. It's about going for the gold. What I want to encourage you to do today is not to go for the gold, but I want you to go for the globe. I want you to go for the globe reason. I want you to go for the globe reason. I want you to go for the globe reason. And I could go to every icon in this church and tell you I want you to go for the globe reason. Because they have the they have they have the globe reason. You need the good <coughs> watching particularly this woman from Jamaica. Fastest woman in the world. Blazes down there in 100 meters 220. Just 200. 
And the, the commentators kept saying, she is in perfect condition. She won the race. Do you know by how far she won the race? She won the race by that far. <laughs> that far. All her preparation was to get the gold. Use your preparation, not for the gold, because gold isn't good enough. There's something better than gold. The something better than gold is the gold. It's better than the gold. It's what you need to aim for. It's what, it's what people are like. It's what angels are like. It's what the Holy Trinity is like in the kingdom of God in eternity. It's light. And we all participate in it. But you don't get there by just yawning and say, oh, that's such a nice homily, Father John. You're enthusiastic and, and it's sort of a motivational speech. It's way beyond that. Yeah, I'm enthusiastic. And yes, I hope it's motivational. But what I want to motivate you to is to go for this glory. You have to, you have to say to yourself, that's where I am going. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, in addition to giving thanks for the day and all that God has done for you, no matter how what your day is like, it may be the worst day of your life, it may be the best day of your life, it's what God gave you and you say thank you for it. But you have to say tomorrow morning, I am going for the glory today. I'm going for it. You don't get there without going for it. You can't just say, well, you know, I don't know how many years of my life that I was told that this was simply a positional truth. I don't even want to bore you with what a positional truth is. It's a truth that isn't so. But we're after what is real. We are after that glory. That's what the imperfect priest John, who does so many things that he doesn't understand why he does it, but he knows he does because he's weak. But the imperfect priest John is clear on where he wants to go. He wants to go to the kingdom and he wants to participate in the glory. And that's what I want you to do today. You guys, young, 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 little kids, you, you, that's where you want to go. And you old people, that's where you want to go. You want to go for the glory. This is what your life is all about in on Mount Tabor. Jesus gave you a glimpse of the glory. And in your heart, you need to pray. That is where I want to go, and I'm heading there. God, help me. I'll get there. And that's one 